What's going on, everybody? It's Vince with Rulonco. Uh, today we uh, have joining uh, with us Andrew the Dad Bod Lawn um, and a special guest today uh, who we're going to introduce in a hot minute. But uh, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. We're going to be catering to those folks that are more southern uh, and have a warm season grass. Uh, it's something that's very um, New to us, we don't talk about it too much, but you know, we hear from our, our podcast listeners that we need to do more on warm seasons. So what's better than bringing in Scott Hebert from um, Grass Clippings? He is the director of Origami. Oh, wait, not Origami, <laughs> Agronomy. <laughs> Welcome, Scotty. Yeah, man, Scotty Hebert. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, good. Um, yeah, man, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. So um, before we get into it, guys, make sure you are always checking out our uh, website. Uh, we ourselves have uh, premium T-shirts and apparel um, that's just guaranteed to make you look better in your lawn. Um, and Grass Clippings has some apparel as well, hats, uh, T-shirts, hoodies, and they are dope. So please go over there and take a look at them. Um, we'll get into that a little bit further. And before we do get into all this, uh, we need to take care of some business. Andrew. Uh, what's this segment? Is it dad's wins and losses? It is dad's wins and losses. And today's going to be a little special dad win and lost. Uh, after talking with Scotty, we realized he is actually not a father, but he has a dog always at his hip. So we're going to spice things up today and it's going to be a dog owner win or loss. Today. I like it. And this portion of the podcast is sponsored by Forefathers, a polo company uh, that's elevating the dad apparel for the DIY dad and the OG of that turf dad polo, you know, with the lawn stripes on it. Anyways, use code the lawn feed for 20% off your entire order at shopforefathers.com. Uh, that's a pretty sweet deal. Make sure you guys cash in on that. But Scotty, why don't you hit us with a dog win and a dog loss? Dog win and dog loss. So, yeah, Rye is my dog, Rye Scott Bills, or her Instagram, which uh, definitely has more clout than I do and street cred. So, um, yeah, most recent, most recent win, you know, we're, we're starting to get a little chillier. So, we're starting to see some migratory birds. And I have a much smaller irrigation pond at my new property here, Rolling Hills, um, than I did up in TPC Scottsdale. So, um, I definitely smaller population of, uh, of waterfowl to kind of manage pests, but we had about, 20 uh, Canadian geese kind of flocking the other day and, you know, rise just edging, ready to go. And, um, you know, she was pretty good on command. So I had her kind of wait for me and I snuck around the side and whistled up and she just flanked them out. And her brother Hank was with us and he charged around the corner too, got him up off the turf, got him out of the property. And it was, it was perfect. You know, we've been training for it for years. Uh, and I've taken her out to hunt a couple of times. Uh, being at the TPC Scottsdale, my life was pretty uh pretty demanding up there from a work standpoint so um trying to get her some more bird dogging uh aside from obviously managing the golf course so that was a proud proud dog bad moment for sure so she's more than just a pretty furry face she actually does right. work yeah she does she's my supervisor that's awesome yeah she doesn't just pee on the grass and try to ruin it she actually serves a purpose yeah and then uh yeah if you're ready for the loss i think the only thing uh 
she's pretty responsive, very well trained, really good. But there's a couple coyotes on property too, and she saw the one and just took off at it. Man, I was I was screaming at the top of my lungs trying to get her back because you know you don't want anything getting maimed. I mean, she's up on her shots and all that. So, but man, I was I was so so pissed at her, and she finally she finally came back, and then I grabbed her. Whooped her and threw her in the cart and drove her back to the shop. I was like, all right, well, you're here the rest of the day. So, that was tough because she's, she's on the course 24-7 with me. I mean, I'm here about 14, 16 hours a day at this point with everything we have going on. So, I mean, didn't want to do it, but you know, can't go chasing yet. Yeah. Is that, a, is that right. a pretty common problem that you have a lot of coyotes on the prop? property uh we got a couple on this one you know they're not too big um yeah not like when i was up north there's there's quite a few bigger population up there but i mean they're around they're really not a huge threat it's just you know making sure they're always trying to like pick up percent and sneak up around i mean they're, they're crafty little guys but you just mm-hmm. gotta keep your wits about you keep a <laughs> high-powered bb gun in your cart there you go there you go. Well, cool. Well, that's uh, a good win and a, and a loss. Um, good thing that uh, she ended up coming back to you. Um, and there's no injuries from any coyotes. But we are talking about warm season grass today, um, mainly for the DIY homeowner. Uh, you are a pro. Um, you are the director of agronomy. But give us a little bit more of a background. You have a pretty awesome background because you just left a, a previous uh, golf course that a lot of people know about. Um, so tell us a little bit more about you um, and what you do. Yeah. Um, so kind of talking to Andrew before you jumped on. I I grew up on the East Coast. So uh, from Connecticut originally, but kind of grew up in the Baltimore area. So um, transition zone, you get hot, cold, you get you know winters in the 70s, you can get three feet of snow. It doesn't matter. So. Bermuda grass, tall fescue, we see it all. Um, so kind of have a background of, you know, managing turf in that, that region. Um, went to grad school at University of Maryland and got my, uh, golf course agronomy kind of degree there and was at congressional for a couple of years. Um, it was great. Loved it. And then moved across the country to Seattle and worked at the Holly Country Club, which is pretty much POA wall to wall. That's all they can really grow out there. Um, there's like 13 different biotypes on mm. on the greens alone, so it's a, it's a mod podge, and it's it's pretty wild out there. The seasonality of it. Um, then I left uh, Seattle and moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina, worked at Quail Hollow for a few years there, also. And uh, you know, Carolina's hot, humid, Bermuda grass base, very heavy overseed. Um, so hosts a ton of high-end professional tournaments, Presidents Cups, PGA, Wells Fargo every year. So um, lot there, and then I left Quail Hollow and moved out to Scottsdale, Arizona, and was a superintendent at TPC Scottsdale for about four and a half, five years, um, you know, hosting the Phoenix Open. Uh, pretty high-end facility, fifty thousand rounds a year at least between the two courses. Um, wow! Huge build, huge construction build. Um, scaffolding going up. I mean, it technically sits in a floodplain, so they can't build any permanent structures. So every year we got to build it up and break it down, which is always fun to manage. And you got a bunch of people out there. Yeah, you got a bunch of folks out there trying to dig out turf and running over irrigation heads. You got to mark main lines when you drive stakes in the ground. So it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was a ton. And uh, I recently departed that property uh, early April and joined Grass Clippings. They had the opportunity to purchase this 
uh, golf course, Rolling Hills, that was managed by the well, city of what, Tempe. What is Grass Clippings? What is so Grass Clippings? Grass Clippings is a brand, essentially. It's a golf brand. It started um, in Phoenix, Arizona, kind of right in Arcadia, if you're familiar with that area. A um, bunch of great guys that grew up playing golf, um, being around it. You know, those guys that just want to be on the golf course all the time. So early end of day, and, you know, they saw the greenkeepers out there, you know, busting their hump early hours, late at night, trying to just get it done. Kind of had this epiphany, like, wow, like, you know, we, we really should shed some light on this and kind of pay tribute to that. So that, that's really what the brand is about, is promoting the greenkeepers and the turf managers of the world, the guys that are out there working in the shadows, trying to put the best product forward for people to enjoy. It's a great group of guys That's awesome. giving me a ton of support. Yeah, they've been awesome. Um, I invited them up to the Phoenix Open about two years ago because I reached out. I was like, hey, you're a local golf brand. You know, I'm hosting the Phoenix Open. I'd love to get some of your gear out to my volunteers that are coming to help me out with the tournament, get a shirt done, a couple hats, and, you know, kind of share your brand. And they actually ended up coming up to the property a few times and did some I uh, got some content following me and my team around and showing how we kind of prepare the course leading up to the event. And, uh, you know, we kind of struck uh, struck a really good relationship after that and just kept in touch and had this great opportunity where they had the, the chance to buy this Rolling Hills golf course in the city of Tempe. And um, it hadn't been managed well in 60 years, maybe at best. So, uh, I mean, this is the biggest fixer ever scenario ever so so you guys just built so you guys just built or you bought a golf course that was like semi-abandoned yeah yeah, okay i mean it was operational but man they didn't put anything into it it's it's in rough shape these before and after pictures Mm -hmm. are gonna be wild (laughs) and and what are your goals for that what's the plan for that so yeah this property we got it july 1st had to host golf for about two months right now um, so we finally closed down on monday to actually get some work done so we had the front nine open for play and the back nine we were building a bunch of new tee boxes doing some renovation work trying to spray out weeds just trying to get the water audited i mean because it's been irrigation system was faulty at best um, so now that we have the full course closed we're putting up uh stadium style lighting so we have night golf going in we have a full driving range fully lit track main driving range or top tracer driving range excuse me um, building a couple of bars out on property that'll kind of overlook the whole facility. Um, it's in a really great location right near, uh, really right in Tempe. So you can kind of see like ASU Stadium. You can see uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, all the planes coming down, cityscapes. It's awesome. It's a sweet spot. But uh, the next three years, we're dropping about $15 million on the place to get it fully lit, get the restaurants, get the bars up and going, get the driving range right. Um, and then April 2024, we're going to close down again for about six months or so and, you know, redo the green complexes and really kind of have at it. So this first year is just kind of getting the market, getting the lights up, uh, you know, showing a presence, getting the F&D rolling and, you know, trying to get this thing off the ground. That's really cool. It's, um, you were telling me earlier, it's an executive course, right? Yeah. Short course, I think it's par 62. So. Yeah, that's, that's uh, cool because parties. you guys are setting it up to be like, kind of like a like a party course. Like people are going to go there and have a lot of fun. There's going to be bars everywhere. There's going to be night golf. Like it's an experience that people are not going to be able to get pretty much anywhere. And on top of that, people are going to be possibly shooting low scores, you know, 
in maybe like quicker rounds as well with having a, a lower par on the executive course. So that sounds like so, it's a riot. Yeah, it's going to be pretty wild. I mean, the plan is to keep the lights on until about midnight, but if it's a private event, we'll keep them on until 2 a.m. Um, if needed. So. Sounds like the lawn fee needs to make a private event out there. <laughs> yeah, like you have to get some corporate dope. membership. There we go. Yeah. That would be sweet. And the, the beauty no, of having of... an executive course is like, I got, it's a 90 acre property, but I only really have 40 acres of irrigated turf. And that number I'm reducing with overseed and some desert transition stuff. And I went to school to grow grass. Um, and here, obviously, water's a big issue. So we're working on scaling that back to kind of have your in-play areas. Um, but I mean, with a course of this size, I mean, I can water the whole place in like two hours. So from a maintenance standpoint, it's, it's actually kind of awesome. Wow. Wow. Now, what kind of grass are you dealing with at this course? Uh, Bermuda grass base. So we have 328 on our greens, which is a very, very older uh, cultivar. I think it's from like the 70s, maybe the 60s. Um, so that's, it's aged for sure. And then uh, kind of a blend of maybe Tifta or um, some types of common Bermuda, might be some Bandera, I don't know. But it's pretty much all Bermuda base out there. So we can go into dormancy over winter. So we'll obviously have to overseed to kind of keep, keep a, a green product out there for people to play on and keep driving around and revenue so it doesn't get too beat up in the winter months. Is that going to be like an, uh, a perennial rye or Kentucky blue? Yeah, so greens will be Poetris, Poetribialis at about 15 pounds per thousand. And then we'll do a ryegrass cover crop uh, about 15, 20 pounds per thousand also, just to kind of retain a little moisture wow. boundary layer. Yeah, yeah it's, it's heavy. 15 to 20 pounds? Per thousand, yeah. Oh I, I don't even want to know what your grass seed bill is. That's got to be insane. <laughs> For 40 acres, it's not that bad. When I was at PGC, it was 220. It was ginormous. Um, <laughs> Who's but yeah, your grass seed guy, man? Yeah, I got, I got, I got the hookup. You let me know. Um, but yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much perennial ryegrass, wall to wall. Um, well, not this first two years, actually, since we're so inundated with weeds. Um, I'm really only going to overseed T-top, um, fairways approaches, greens, some of the green complex borders. That way we can really kind of go after some of these, these weed populations in the winter and kind of spray them out pretty intensely. So we got we got to clean up some edges. But yeah. But yeah, ryegrass and poetry of Man, poetry, that's like, that's that's not something we like to hear up here. That is... No, poet's a dirty v word. Vince and I have both dealt with Triv and uh, Vince most recently. In part of the reason why the sideline is completely killed off right now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, oh. Poe's... Yeah, it's a necessary evil out here. Um, poetry, at least. I mean, for as far as just regular Poe, I mean, we try to treat for it. Those seed heads pop up. You just got to time your apps the right way. So if you overseed your greens with Triv, what do you do when the Bermuda comes out of dormancy? Uh, a lot of verticutting. So when we start to transition, like April-ish, depending on the on the temperatures, you know, a lot of verticutting, cross-cutting directions, uh, just to try to move some of that organic material and really kind of raise it up. I and mean, the Bermuda will start to wake up kind of on its own. Uh, typically, I haven't really sprayed out anything on greens, you know, anything we spray out um, wherever we oversee with ryegrass um, typically um, have a three-step process 
Um, Sapphire is a, a product we use. We usually do like a third rate end of April, um, and then a, another third rate kind of end of March. And then we'll do curb, I don't know, May, maybe June, depending on the season at like a third rate also. And the whole point of doing those partial rates is so you're not just killing it right away because we still have to maintain a good playable product. So we need to keep the grass green. Um, so as we're kind of slowly killing off that cool season overseed that Bermuda's waking up and we're doing a lot of stacks removal, vertical cutting, lower mowing heights just to try to get sunlight into that canopy. So, you know, as, as that cool season is dying, that Bermuda is starting to wake up and you kind of have a, a smooth transition. Nice. Very cool. Well, it's been really, really neat hearing about this, uh, the, your professional side uh of everything here in this exciting exciting course that's coming down the pipeline here for everybody listening um if you head over to grassclippings.com uh check out the store like you see the stay grassy stuff like you've probably seen us wearing it before they got some really cool swag some really cool merchandise uh shirts apparel um definitely worth checking out and uh they also as scotty had mentioned they came and followed him around at tpc um a year or two ago and they did a really nice a documentary piece following you guys around and i watched that and i was like this is like i was not expecting that kind of quality um yeah production they did a really nice job so i, th I believe that's over on their website too maybe on their youtube channel um go check that out it's a cool piece but um let's get back into like the diy side of things here uh we've yeah. had a lot of people reaching out um asking about warm season we have a lot of people that listen um even though we're cool season guys primarily this is why we want to bring people like yourself on to talk about this kind of stuff. So um, let's hit on a few of the important things that you can do during the fall heading into winter for warm season. Up here in the north for cool season, we're dethatching and verticutting. What about warm season? Is this something that should also be done? Yeah, I mean, you want to do that type of you know, agronomic practice when you're getting really good growing temperatures. So if you're growing your Bermuda grass, your Zoysia grasses, um, they generate quite a bit of batch, obviously, you know, they're very lateral growing and they'll get kind of squishy and kind of puffy. So, but you want to do a lot of your, your cultural practices when you're really in the summer to kind of remove a lot of that material. Um, and then, you know, before that kind of tapers down into the fall, you really want to have a good clean stand and then start to slowly start bringing your, your mowing height up. That way you're, I mean, cause basically all plants, they replicate above what they want below. So, you know, roots should match the, the shoot. Look at a tree, its roots should want to be what it looks like above. So grass is the same way. So in order to kind of get deeper roots, you move your mowing height up, drive the root growth down, and then obviously you'll want to throw some kind of complete fertilizers out there, something that's a little heavier on the P and K side um, as, as the season starts to go. But, you know, when you're in your, the, the big thing is being proactive, not reactive, right? Like you want to, because one thing always kind of leads to the next step of the process. So having a good growing season, fertilizing, making sure things aren't too wet, um, and just keeping the plant dry, really, and really keeping a vegetative state um, throughout the summer months when it's really wanting to grow. And then as you're, you realize you're getting like early September, things are starting to cool off a little bit. You know, raising that mowing height up, not being as aggressive because it's not going to grow as much. You know, it's, it's going to want to push down into the soil. That way, you know that you have a good base. So when it comes out of winter dormancy, you have a strong root system that's going to give you a good spring green up. So 
to go back a little bit on dethatching, verticutting, you mentioned um, that you can do this with warm season grass. I did a video on my bluegrass about verticutting and, and uh, mm -hmm. scarifying. What warm season grasses can you verticut, dethatch, scarify? What can you not? I mean, in my opinion, you can do it. You can always beat up warm season grass, man. The, the heavier you hit it, the better it'll be. Um, you know, it's probably not as common. So, so like St. Augustine. St. Augustine, same deal. I mean, it, it's a very lateral growing type of turf. So I recommend, you know, always kind of clean the surface a little bit and get some vertical mowing in. Um, if you're able to top dress, I mean, sand is grass's best friend because it has good, you know, good pore space, allows the kind of roots and shoots to kind of spread out. So if you're able to verticut, mow, and then top dress right after it, I mean, that's, that's the best, you know, formula, in my opinion. You know, I was at Quail Hollow. Vertica, mo top dress every Monday, you know, from out mid spring through the summer, and we just I mean, wow. our greens were prime. It's it, it's what you can what you can get and what you can get, get done, right? You know, not everyone has mm -hmm. that capability. Um, but yeah, I mean, any warm season grass is gonna want to grow laterally and just generate a ton of organic material. So if you can do it at home a couple times in a growing season, you know two to three times, I think, and be pretty aggressive at it. I think you'll, you'll be really happy with the quality lawn you have. Yeah. So, so guys, for the DIY side, um, if you don't have the equipment to be able to do that, a lot of rentals have um, verticutters that you can rent. Uh, it's just a walk-behind walk machine. Um, some of you guys have some real mowers that have the verticutting attachments on them as well since you are cutting them low. So you, you have a win-win a there. Um, but you can rent these things. Um, for pretty pretty cheap. Um, before you would top dress, uh, is there a good time to be aerating? Do you want to aerate the warm season lawns? Yeah, absolutely. Um, same deal when they're in that vegetative state. So in the spring when things are actually kind of woken up, depends on your season a little bit. Um, typically, if your night temperature is around you know, 70, 80, and your days are kind of getting a little hotter, a little more humid, depending where you are. Um, that's a great time to airify. I mean, we airify out in Scottsdale, usually July is kind of when we do it because we know it's just going to be so hot. Um, but humidity plays a big factor with any warm season grass, uh, especially Bermuda grass. So you have some good humidity that's, you know, 85, 90 degree temps and 70% humidity. I mean, by all means, it, the more holes you put in, the better. Like I said, when you, when you have warm season grass, it just generates so much organic material. And the more you can pull out, and replace with sand, I mean, the healthier the plant will be because you want that water to be able to percolate and just drip all the way through. Those roots just want to drive down. Hmm. Uh, so I know you already kind of touched on uh, fertilizing a little bit. You said, you know, fertilizing during the active growing time in, in the summer, uh, since it is warm season, that is the growing time. But as we start to dive down into the cooler temperatures, like you probably are about right now, uh, is, is there fertilizer that should be applied or are there other products that maybe aren't fertilizers that are beneficial for this time of year? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to fert, like I said, you're getting into the cool season, you're going to want to push that root growth. Um, so you don't want to use something that's too nitrogen heavy. Um, so if you went with like, I don't know, like a, a 5, 10, 15 or a 5, 10, 10, something like that, where you have a heavier P and K, you know, you're going to call on those carbohydrates within the plant to go towards the root. You know, that's, that's what you want to drive. Because carbs. The root, carbs are the best, baby. But, um, Love them. 
Yeah, you just, you want to push that root system as best you can going into the cold months. That way, you know you're going to have a good spring green up. Um, and moisture management's you know really key. You don't want to try to flood irrigate. Depending you know where you guys, I mean you guys are all you know, a little bit northern, probably get some pretty humid summers. You don't want a a pool of water like a rice paddy sitting in there um, when it's 90 degrees out because you're essentially boiling the plant. You want to make sure it dries down properly. So making sure you get wet in drying periods to allow those roots to kind of grow down and drive down versus kind of just baking in that patch layer. Um, so making sure that your irrigation is good uniformity and you're not getting too wet. You know, you're watching your corners, um, wherever your kind of irrigation heads are, however you're watering, hand watering. You know, the plant wants to be dry, but it needs water. So there's this fine line between stressing it out and overwatering that, that people need to kind of manage. And every situation is obviously going to be different, whether it's a sloping lawn or you have kind of dips and bowls to it or it's relatively flat. Um, yeah, I mean, the best thing you can do, I mean, if we, have, if we all had the opportunity, you'd want it to be laser leveled, right? Just kind of nice, smooth, but mm-hmm. being at home, but, man, it doesn't work that way unless you mm-hmm. really put the time in. So just just listening to this all being said, a lot of it's more springtime. Um, that's the essential time to be doing these things. Um, is for someone that may have just moved into their home now um, or is just kind of like, hey, Cool season guys are picking up. Now I need to do something. Is it too late for them right now to, to be verticutting, top dressing, um, aerating? No, I mean, I think it depends where you are. Um, you know, if you're still having days, day temperatures in the 80s, um, you can get out there and do it. I mean, you're still going to have some recovery. You know, you're not going to probably see it when you're further north in October. I mean, Scottsdale, I mean, I had an October where it was still 100 degrees and we were throwing seeds. And we're worried about it baking out. That's dry. insane. Yeah, it's different, man. You know, it, it's it's so regional um, from where you are. So it really is just knowing what you have, what you're trying to grow, and paying attention to your weather patterns, and knowing what the type of year is going to be like. I mean, obviously you'll know when it gets there, but you know you want to plan ahead as much as you can. But if it's you know, September out here, I mean, our day temps are you know, 110 maybe, nights are 85, so I can still go at it a little bit. I think September's the best time to grow Bermuda grass. Uh, you get down to the Carolinas, you know, you still have some good times, you still have some good temps ahead of you, but you start moving a little further north, uh, a little further north, like Virginia, Maryland, I mean, you're, you're probably starting to check up a little bit. Your nighttime temperatures are probably getting down to 60s, and day temps are maybe 75, 65. I mean, it's, it's just following it, just following your weather. You can do it for sure. Um, yeah. Sounds like I missed my window up here. I have a uh, Tahoma 31 plug in a pot out in my backyard. It's, it's <laughs> looking good. It's got some good runners, uh, but we've had nights in the 50s and days like mid 60s, low 70s. So I, I, I miss my time to run a knife down in there and you know cut it. But I mean, you can still do good. it. It's not going to recover as quick, but it's it's still good for it. You know, anytime you yeah. open the plant up, you know, it, it encourages it to grow in. True. Bring it inside, put it on a grow light. It'll be good. Yeah. It'll still be like 65, 70 degrees. Probably still be too cold. But hey, <laughs> well, we're going to see how it does over the winter here in Michigan in my basement under a grow light. So. Nice. So, Scotty, that seems like we pretty much covered everything that we had uh, to plan to talk about here. Is there anything that you recommend 
uh, this fall people be doing people, you know, maybe be planning for um, coming out of winter, maybe going into spring. Yeah, coming out of winter, I mean, depends how much snow cover you had, if any. Um, a common kind of disease you'll see is spring dead spot where you kind of get these big isolated circles. Um, that usually appears under snow cover. I mean, you might see um, uh, some pink snow mold or something, or even gray snow mold up where you are, I guess, depending on where that is. But I mean, Bermuda grass, any, any of your warm season turf is, is so resilient, you can fertilize out of it. So if you see these big kind of frog circular, frog eyed circular looking patterns and don't get disheartened about it, you can, you can fur it out of it. Um, there is a little bit of disease probably living in there, but you know, as long as you kind of Verticut, mow, top dress, I mean, you'll, you'll kind of get rid of it. I would recommend trying to chase it with some kind of fungicide or anything because, like I said, it's Bermuda grass or Roja. I mean, those are some of the most resilient stuff out there that really don't have a big disease uh, need out there. It's not like you're growing bent grass or something you're going to have to really handle. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just looking at it, you know, you can't stare at, you know, the same good spot and be like, oh, that's good. I mean, usually in my profession, I tend to and stare at the worst places and forget how good everything else is looking. Um, yeah, invite the greenskeeper. You always see the problems. Um, but yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. get down there. If you if you see something that's that doesn't look right or it's not keeping up, you know, get down there and get in your hands and knees, pull the plant up and start peeling through it. Look at the leaf blades. If you see it starting to look a little carotid, start to look a little yellow, it's kind of wavy, or you're seeing hourglass lesions, and look for shapes, you know. You can't just stand from your six foot view you gotta get down there and really dig in if, if there's an issue i mean get a soil profile or get a plug out and you know, dig in see what's up with it the biggest thing you can do is just you know actually get hands on you can't just look at it and be like oh i'm gonna try this but you know proper diagnosis will always give you the best solution absolutely absolutely awesome. kind of sounds like uh warm season grass is kind of easy to manage I, don't know. I, I want, I want to jealous so bad it's, right it's now. Like the more I learn <laughs> so about <great>. it, <laughs> you just Absolutely. beat the crap out of it. And then it just like, it loves you back. Comes back mm -hmm. angry and just healthier and just can't kill it. Just you can't. Uh, it's, it's hard. So, man. so we're pretty close to, to oh, at least I'm pretty close to Baltimore. Um, that transition, we're kind of like in the armpit near Philly. Um, and we have a bunch of Bermuda up here too. And, and one of the properties uh, one of my friend's properties, we tried killing that out and that just, it just keeps coming back. Just keeps yeah. coming back. It's tricky where you are. Cause I think mean, your, your ideal lawn is, you know, your Kentucky blues, your tall fescues. So, I mean, there, there's a couple products out there. Pilex. I don't know if it's not, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's commercially available or residential available. Um, you can get residential Pilex. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. Um, but even that, I mean, you just stunt it, you just bleach it. It just it slows it up. Um, it's it's hard to kill Bermuda grass. Any warm season turf, man, it's it's ready to run. I mean, if you've ever mm -hmm. been out to the the west coast and seen the Kikuyu grass, I mean that stuff takes over road signs, holds it to the ground. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, nuts. You can't get rid of it. You just got to live with it. So that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So if you buy a house down in warm season territory, if you, let's say you have St. Augustine. Can you switch it to Bermuda or is that just like not something that people do? I mean, you can, you can sod cut it out and then probably spray some fusillade or fusillade or roundup combo, whatever you want to do to try to fumigate. Um, but I mean, those warm season grasses, man, they're, they're root though. They're just, 
so deep and resilient. They have such a network. It's so hard to just get it out clean. Um, mm. But I mean, yeah, like if you go to St. Augustine grass, I mean, great long grass, great for the kids. You know, it, it, it looks good. It feels Crab good grass. to walk on. Crabgrass? Oh, man. I, I, you, you want to see crabgrass come out here? You should see. I have, there's this book called Weeds <laughs> of the West. They can, you can rewrite that entire thing for what's on my property, right? Now. I have all of it. Oh, yeah, I got, I got a lot of creativity going on to try to get rid of some of this inundation. <laughs> I was just asking in case I ever get my vacation home down south. That'll never happen. But, you know, just I can dream about renovating a warm season lawn someday as a Dude, second man. house or something. That'd be kind of cool. Get that, get that It'll be a timeshare and they won't let me touch it. So <laughs> you can push for it, get Zoysia, man. That's that that's the that's the stuff right there. Good for the kids. Yeah. If you can get Zoysia through its first like year of establishment, you'll never have any problems. It's it's the best. Bermuda's great, don't get me wrong, it all depends on what you want, what you look feel, but yeah, Zoysia is resilient. Yeah, it looks cool. Nice. Well, Scotty, I and we as a long feed greatly appreciate you taking the time of your uh, insanely busy day um, to hop on here and teach us homeowners uh, a little bit more about warm season grass, what to do in the fall time um, and kind of just have a better grasp on managing it uh, correctly. Um, where can people find you if they want to hear your story and, and follow along with your pup? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, Instagram's probably the easiest way. Um, Mine's Scotty Heeds, uh, Rise, Rye, underscore of, underscore Scottsdale, Rye Scottsdale. Um, and then obviously anything that Grass Clippings is, is promoting and putting out, so grassclippings.club and Grass Clippings at Rolling Hills. Um, they do phenomenal job. You guys kind of talked about some of their media content earlier and lots more to come. Um, they do a phenomenal job kind of documenting what we've been doing to this golf course as well as the progression of everything going on. and. And really just trying to shine light on people that take care of turf. I mean, it's not just golf course guys. It's people that manage horse racing tracks or USC's football stadium. You know, grass is everywhere, right? There's different ways to manage it for different venues. It doesn't matter if you're hosting golf or horse races or a concert venue or college football. You know, there's, there's so many applications uh, and they do a great job of showing that. It's a great company to be a part of. And yeah, love these guys, man. They've made made everything I want to do um, for a property starting to come to life. It's going to be an uphill battle getting this thing where we want it to be, but man, I'm here for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. We had a chance to chat with them a little bit uh, a couple months back. They're real uh, down-to-earth cool guys. So, uh, yeah, everybody, make sure you go uh, follow Scotty, follow his dog, go check out Grass Clippings, get yourself some sweet swag, and uh, we'll catch you guys all in the next episode. As for Vince Rulonko, Andrew Dabodlon, and Scotty, we'll see you in the next one. See you guys. <laughs>